0: Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. I always think of uh, uh, Joe. I think of Pastor Krav How much he loved your family. He used to talk about you all the time, and we'd uh, discuss things. Anyways, I'm glad you're all here, uh, and I'm thankful uh, for you all and for this church. And uh, I pray there be huge blessings for you in this year ahead. Um, today will be my last messages for vision, um, and then kind of then we put feet to it after today. So I'm grateful that. Uh, uh, God has laid some things on my heart, and I pray that you know He'd lay them same things on your heart, and then we'd get going in the right direction and start with a walk and get into running, and then finally get to the finish line. So, um, for all of you that don't know, I will be going to Israel. I know that He had just announced that, but I'm on my way uh, to- on Tuesday night. Uh, my wife, I'm uh, sending her down to Florida to stay with my son and daughter down there uh, while I'm gone, because I just didn't want her like uh, here alone. Uh, so, you won't be seeing her or I for at least 10 days. and uh, But I'll be thinking of you all, praying for you all. I'm going to try to bring back something back for you all, too. The last time I was there, I, I, I had a, uh, a drinking bottle that was a good size one, and I was at uh, Caesarea Philippi. Um, and that's where Jesus asked, Who do you think? Uh, I am, I, who do you say that I am, and uh, in the background was the God of Pan actually, and the carve in the mountain was, is still there where that God of Pan used to be, you know, where they come and worship right there, and it's one of, the three, one of the three forks that come out of the mountain of the water that feeds uh, the River Jordan, and so it's as fresh as possibly could be, so I took that water, filled that bottle, uh, and I stuck it in my suitcase and brought it home. I had a guy in our church that used to be... Um, used to... it was called Capital Vial. They, it's something to do with farming. But they used to make these little vials and I'd take a few drops and about eh, maybe an ounce in each vial and then I gave them away every place I went. I gave them, here's a little, here's a little uh, river water, uh, for, or Jordan River water to keep for you. Uh, and I, all over the place I gave them and I'm gonna try to do the same thing this time so you can have a little uh, a little of that water. I still have the one that I have. It's still as clear as a bell in that. And uh, so I, I just love the thought of uh, uh, going to Israel, being a part of the, the history and the stuff that happened over there, and then trying to bring back part of that back to, to us in the United States. Um, I almost I forgot last week, but I'm not going to forget this week. Uh, Jesse Thompson is getting married on uh, March 18th. Uh, down in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, I don't have all the details, but there's a website, I guess, right? Or something like that. But you're all invited to go. So what I've done is I called Mike and Mike called his company and we've gotten a bus. Seriously? So it's a big passenger bus, you can all get on it. It's just a little bit of a ride getting down there, but Mike, can, he can drive all night long. He's done it so many years. They get us down there in time for the wedding. No, they would love to have you. They understand the, you know, the logistics don't quite fit for most of us, but I'm gonna to attempt to be there. I, I really wanna be there for that. Uh, my kids are down, I get to see them kill a couple birds with one stone, so just thankful for that. Uh, and by the way, tell David my giving's off by one cent. I just want to see what he'd say if I said that. <laughs> I don't see him here, right? Just tell him my giving is off by one cent. I've got to have the right records here, but anyways. And Joanna Bolton's lovely. It really is. I, I wanted to have something that, oh, there he is. You may have heard me. Uh, I, 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 somebody said my bol- or my giving was off by one cent. It wasn't me, though. But anyways. <laughs> Uh, the bulletin is, uh, is beautiful and there's a, I used to come from, in, in, I, had, I was in my own business and I used to have a sign business and I know a lot of things about what makes, uh, repetition makes for memory. Right? Do you realize that in the Bible that God had to remind Israel over and over again? It's almost to the point where it's frustrated. How many times I got to tell you this? But you get it after a while, right, is when there's repetition. And that's part of my plan here is to get the name of Lighthouse uh, so embedded into the mind of people that the first thing they think of when they have a problem is like this church. And then come to this church and find their way out of that or through that valley. And that's kind of why I chose this message today, the Valley of Vision. I'd like you to turn with me to Isaiah 22, if you would. Now, just so you, for those that uh, understand expository preaching, I'm not going to do an expository message today. That's where you take one line by line and you you preach it and teach it. Um, I'm all for that, uh, but I'm all for every type of preaching. I just believe people need to get into the pulpit and preach. And sometimes it's topical, sometimes it's apologetic. You know, but whatever it is, you know, most of the Lord's sermons were topical. All right, that's the way he preached. Uh, uh, there's a, many out there that say the only good message is an expository message. But I don't believe that. I believe all messages can be used. And so what I'm taking here is an illustration. And I'm trying to adapt it into a vision uh, for this church. And I hope you'll see what I'm talking about and understand. I started this morning when I uh, talked about this area and the evils that we face and the darkness that is around it, but there's still a great light ahead of us, and, uh, and there's still a great Savior who lightens that way for us. So I, I want us to remember that you know we're just beginning. Uh, there's a lot of good things uh, in store for us, I believe, here at this church in this coming year. Isaiah 22. I'm only going to read the first seven verses. I'm always interested when I see in the Bible that word trouble. For some reason, it always grabs my attention. You Because know, I don't know about you, is there anybody here doesn't, that wants to get in trouble? Uh, I don't like to get in trouble. I've never liked to get in trouble. And as a kid, I remember getting in trouble several times uh, and having my dad and having to straighten me out. Uh, probably not in the ways that kids today get straightened out, <laughs> uh, but I certainly got the point. Uh, I certainly got the point. I remember I, I shared this quick story, and uh, I don't want to rabbit trail, but I remember one time sitting at the table with my father and all I said was, uh, we were sitting together at the table. All I said to him was about a topic we were talking about. I said, "What would you know about it?" That was all. Now today, that would be nothing, correct? He, without missing a beat, he was, had his fork in his left hand, his fist. He made a fist and he punched me in the head, and I went over the chair, over backwards onto the ground. Right. So I got back up. I knew enough not to cry about it. I was 16 years old. I better not cry about it. I got back up to the table and ate. Uh, Now, fast forward ahead 40 years, at least 40 years, maybe even 50 years. I'm sitting down, and my father's now old and decrepit. He can't move well. He can't do anything. And I can see in his face there's something really bothering him. And uh, I said, Dad, what's wrong? And he says, I, I don't, I don't, he says I, I, I've been wanting to tell you this for years. And I said, well, what's that, Dad? He says, I was wrong when I did that today. When you did what, Dad? When I did that back then when I punched you and knocked you over the backwards. Now here's the, the response. is what's different than what we can tell you. Here's what I said to him. Did I ever do it again? And he says... No, you never talk back to me again." I says, "Then what's the problem?" I said, "Why are you upset?" I said, "I'm not damaged." I said, "It's one of those things where maybe you did it wrong, or you acted uh, irresponsibly as far as emotions and responded quickly. I said, "But God knew." I says, "And it taught me a great lesson that day you just don't talk back to your elders. Ever." And we need to learn all type, types of messages today. Now I'm not uh, telling anybody here they need to go out and do what, they, what my father did. I'm not saying that, but the principle was right. Right is that he wanted to stop me from doing that. And I can ever since that day I've always tried to address people as ma'am or sir or thank you or, and, and try to re, uh, remember that, uh, you know that these are people that were. Uh, verse 20, uh, chapter 22, verse 1. The burden of the valley of vision, which aileth thee now, that thou art wholly gone up to the housetops. Thou that art full of stirs, a tumultuous city, a joyf- joyous city. Thy slain men are not slain with the sword, nor dead in the battle. All the rulers are fled together. They are bound by the archers. All that are found in thee are bound together, which have Uh, Fled from far, therefore said I, look away from me. I will weep bitterly and labor not to comfort me, because of the spoiling of the daughter of my people. And he's talking about Jerusalem. For and by the way, this is part of the reason too that I'm doing this. For it is this. For it is a day of trouble, and of treading down, and of perplexity by the Lord God of hosts in the valley of vision, breaking down the walls and of crying to the mountains. And Elam bare the quiver with the chariots of men and the horsemen and uh, Kerr uncovered the shield, and it shall come to pass that thy choicest valley shall be full of chariots, and the horsemen shall set themselves array in the gate, at the gate. I, I, this morning I was talking about the things that we see, that we see as believers, a lot of people don't see as unbelievers. Like I can look to the mountains, and I can see chariots. I can see a multitude bigger than my eyes can comprehend with God as the captain of that host. I can see that, right? I'm an uh, Adirondack native, so I, I can see all of that where the unsaved world can't see that. But I can see it because Christ has opened my eyes and opened your eyes if you're born again to see that there's a host of army out there that's protecting us. Just by the grace of God, you weren't killed coming here today. Because God protected you coming here. I can look at the seashore and the sea sands and I can see God in all of that. and every pebble. And it reminds me of all the thoughts that God thinks about me every single day. There's not one person in the sanctuary today that God's not thinking about you today. And has not thought about you all your life. Every second of every day. Just try to take a little capsule of, uh, of sand and try to count those uh, just in that little capsule. And he says his thoughts are You're more than all the sand and all the seas and all the world. Right? I can look to the heavens and I can see the stars and see uh, that, uh, the Hindi work of God. You can see the creative purpose and power of our great Savior. Now others look up there and they see and it makes them all, but we're in awe because of Christ that, who created that world. It's an amazing thing what we can see and we know because of the word of God, right? The word of God tells us all this stuff. We would not know all this stuff unless the word of God told us. And the Holy Spirit enlightened or opened up uh, that, those words so that we could see things that others can't see. Let me just say here before I get started. If you're unsaved, you know, if you don't know 100% for sure if you were to die and go to heaven, there is things that you don't see right now that you can see once you give your life to Christ. He will open up all those things for you to see. And when you see that, one of the, one of the sights that you see is you in heaven and knowing for sure you're there. Um, I can't wait for my mansion while I get in heaven. I can't wait to uh, look out my balcony and see the throne of God centered in the sea of glass. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to that day when I see that. Uh, but I can see it right now because I've read the word of God. He's opened my eyes to things that most people can't see. So I have a vision. Every vision, uh, everyone has a vision of some sort or another. So many people, including Christians, have visions of achieving great things. And visions begin as a child, and they continue till you die. You know, children envision a a vacation in Disney World, right? Teenage girls will envision maybe a, a their knight in shining armor. Uh, that's going to marry them one day—a fairy tale wedding. Um, boys envision a career in the NBA. I know because I was there one time. Young men and young women both visions—they both vision happy marriages and good health and great success. And listen, we older people—and there's some of us in here—if you want a minute, we just envision having a pain-free day. <laughs> If I can get through this next 24 hours, I'm going to be doing good, right, in all the pain. So Isaiah is clear here. Visions not prioritized in obeying and glorifying God first will end in vain. Now, that's what I got out of it. In verse 1 and verse 5, there's an interesting phrase here that Isaiah uses. He calls it the valley of visions. Now, valleys are not known for being places of victories. I lived in a valley. Every year in the spring, we had to worry about flooding. Uh, So they're not known for having beautiful mountaintop views. Uh, In fact, every time God refers to a valley experience in the Bible, it's always about hard times, uh, valleys. So what was Isaiah saying here? Well, I believe what he was referring to was concerning Israel and Jerusalem. In essence, what he was saying is this. Jerusalem was the city God hoped would not fail him. And yet, he had to send his prophets time and time and time again to show them the error of their ways. So with that said, and I start this message, in every generation, I want you all to know, God is faithful to send visionaries to those he loves. And there's some reasons why, and I'm going to share with them just a second. But visionaries are those who will love and lead his people in ways that would accomplish his will in their lives. Right? And one of the ways and one of the places uh, and positions of, is, a, is a pastor. In other words, he lays a vision on his heart that was, uh, uh, that was on his own heart, and then he brings that vision to the people. Uh, and, the, and the reason is, is to uh, avoid curses and, uh, and to achieve blessings. That's what he wants for you. He's a great and he's a wonderful God, the Savior of the world, who just wants good things for you. I mean, it's, it's hard when he has to discipline us or has to correct us or chastise us. But as a child of God, he has to do that sometimes in order to get our attention, and like my father did, so that we won't do something again that will harm us. So if preaching is from God, it will always consist of making his children aware of how committed he is to them. And, and it will always consist of curses to avoid and blessings to achieve. That's what preaching is all about. And I believe we are now living in one of those valley of visions right now that, w- that uh, Isaiah was living in back then. Everyone at some point goes through a valley experience. Uh, God allows that. Some, unfortunately, are never able to escape them. And, I, and, if, I, and if I had to, uh, I can imagine there's probably someone here even today right now that's going through a valley and I believe with all my heart that you're here because God brought you here. He, he let, put on your heart, right, to go and hear this visionary, right, give his vision uh, to, the, to this church and to show you a way that you can get through the valley or at least have comfort while you're in the valley and, until the valley experience is over. And that's why we come to church. Right? We, we're to uphold, pick up each other, lift up each other's arms and encourage each other. Love each other. Right? So there's things that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shallow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. You know, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Those are the things that comfort us, and they should comfort us, right? If God says he loves us enough to correct us and have to do something that's going to, you know, hurt a little bit in order to get us more holy and, and more hopeful, well, then that's what God has to do. So I want you to notice the four things that God wants you to know concerning his valley visions uh, that he'll lead you through. And, and there, some of them are warnings, uh, you know. But, but the last one is the victory, and I want I us to focus on that as we get to the end of this. In the valley of vision, there is always the voice of serious concern. There's always the voice of serious concern. If you don't feel Isaiah's concern here when he's writing this, or God's concern for Israel and Jerusalem, then you're missing the whole message. Having shown Jerusalem that there is no hope of deliverance from the coming Assyrian threat by anyone else other than the Lord himself, right? Isaiah now warns Jerusalem that they will be surrounded by the mighty forces of their enemies, right? The mighty forces of that empire. So God always cautions us, I want you to know this, of impending adverse consequences we, we are not willing to follow the vision he gives us. My father had told me many times don't ever talk back to me. You know, this is not his fault. This was my fault. Right? I had done what I was asked not to do. You see, the voice of serious concern. What was he doing? He was looking out for his son. That's what he was doing. He didn't want his son to be one of those wise guys. God always cautions us of impending adverse con- consequences when we're not willing to follow the vision he gives us. So when the voice of caution is ignored, what happens? Well, the enemy comes in like a flood. And, and everything that could go wrong will go wrong until we repent and we return to him. That's his goal, is he just wants us to take our eyes off ourselves and get our eyes back onto him. And a lot of times what he'll do, he'll close all the doors until you open the door of your heart to him. You'll be wishing for things, wanting to do things, and all the doors just keep closing right before you until you let him take over, right? Until you let him reign over your hearts and your homes, and and obviously I talked about the house of God today, until we let him just reign here and do what he wants to do here. So there is always, uh, in the Valley of Vision, there's always the voice of serious concern. But secondly, in the Valley of Vision, there's always the vanity of uh, self-conservancy. In other words, self-preservating. What do I mean by that? Well, there's always the choice between letting God have his way or doing it our way. That's the basic way to put this. God always gives us a choice. It's either going to be your way or my way. I can remember back in, uh, there was a coach, a friend of mine, baseball coach back in high school. I didn't play baseball, uh, but he, the coach is a close friend of mine. And I can remember him telling the kids, because I loved to watch, he was a good coach and they won a lot of championships. And I can remember always telling the kids, there's only one rule you've got to live by in this team. It's my way or the highway. You know? And a lot of times that's like God with us. It's my way or the highway. In other words, you have a choice. You either do it your way and I'll just watch and hopefully you, get, you learn your lesson and you turn back to me or you'll do it my way, right? And you won't have to go through those uh, uh, these adverse uh, consequences. So there's always a choice between letting God have his way or doing it our way. He warns them that all their attempts to self-preservate will be vain without him. Now, where do we learn that in the New Testament? Well, what did Jesus say in John 15:5? He said, I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth what? Bible scholars, much fruit, right? And now he said, much fruit. But he says this, for without me, you can do nothing. Isn't that a powerful statement? You see, that self-preservation, that uh, I'm going I'm to take care of myself here and do it my way, and God says you can't do it your way and survive. You can prepare and plan your whole life in one car accident or one divorce or one loss of job or one diagnosis of an incurable disease like cancer can change all your plans, just like that, just One. You, you can plan and prepare your life attempting to self-preservate against the enemies of this life which include aging, evil, disease, tragedies, hoping to grow old peaceably. But if you continue in your own indulgences in selfish desires, doing it your own way, you're eventually going to suffer for it. I can remember trying to counsel people who smoke cigarettes that are stuck in there, you know. I said, if you do the hard thing now, you won't get cancer later. The hard thing was to stop smoking because it's so addictive, right? But if you do the easy thing and just smoke, later you're going to suffer from it. You're going to have cancer. You're going to have artery disease. You're going to have heart disease. You're going to have something out of that. I remember one day I was sitting in my doctor's office. I was 50 or 60 pounds overweight at this time. It was about 10 years ago. And I sat down there, and uh, he's the most compassionate, loving man Uh, a good doctor. In fact, I think he's saved my life a couple times. But anyways, uh, he has a hard time being uh, frank (laughs) with you Uh, because you don't want to hurt your feelings. But I remember turning to me in the chair and saying, Wade, if you don't lose weight now, and he was kind while he said it, he says, you're going to end up with one of three things. He said, you're either going to have heart disease, you're going to have diabetes, or you're going to have a cancer of some sort. He said, so you have to decide now what you want to do. Do you want to put the effort into losing the weight, or do you want to just stay the way you are? And boy, I went home. I would ask you and ask my wife. I was changed that day. I came back, and I went into this diet that you wouldn't believe. I lost 60 pounds in less than six months. I've never gained it all, but I've gained some of it back. But I just didn't want to be... Uh, I didn't want to be that person uh, that didn't take the advice that I knew would help me in the end. You can plan and prepare. Yes, you can. But if you don't do it God's way, you don't follow him, you will eventually suffer for it. So here Isaiah rebukes them for their righteous living as they had adopted a kind of an eat, drink, and be merry type type of mentality. They had no regard to God and with no regard to what they were doing to themselves. And this is a severe danger in living with no rules today um, and no regards to God or, what, uh, or the way he says we should do things, especially what he wants us to do, especially for the children of God. The child of God is always held more accountable for the most part than lost man. You know, it says in 1 Peter four seventeen, for the time has come and that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin. At us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Think about that for a minute. You know, when it comes to willful disobedience, don't think for a moment, because you're saved, you're going to receive some special treatment or some type of pardon or privileges. No, he holds you to a higher standard. God will be faithful to his children as his example of other, uh, to others of what happens when we willfully disobey God. He has to. Why? He has to if he is to honor the word he gave us in his Bible. You know, First Timothy 3, 4 says, One that rules well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. God rules his house well, and he wants his children in subjection with all gravity. He wouldn't have put that in there for, for parents to, to read and to do for their children in order to protect their children later. Do you, know why we, do you know why we discipline children? Do you know why you do that and why you should stay faithful to it? It's not so you can have peace and quiet. It's not so you can do some time alone or get some time shopping. it's got nothing to do with that. It's got all to do with helping them learn how to discipline themselves when they're about to get in trouble. That's all it is. If you love your child, you're going to discipline them because you don't want them to get in trouble. So you teach them through discipline how to discipline themselves. That's the whole purpose behind it in the Bible. So make no mistake about it. God rules his house well, and he's going to keep his children in check for their own good and for the best example he can give to others of how a father keeps his children in check and how his children stay in check when their father is doing the right thing. So here's the third thing. In the Valley of Vision, there is always a vow of separational separational consequences. Uh, Isaiah then delivers a message to uh, Shebna, if I got it right there. I, I, I didn't go that far into it for the time and the sake of reading, but who led the people in this self-destructive attitude. There's always someone, it seems, or always something or some group that is leading people in this self-destructive attitude, that he would be removed from office, carried away into captivity, and God would replace him with Eliakim, a godly advisor to the king of Hezekiah. You know what I've always said about pastors? i said this uh, from the very beginning on, on the pulpit. He calls me to the pastorate. Uh, you wouldn't understand it unless you were called. right? He's the one that anoints. He's the one that puts his hand on you and says, this is where you're going to do. This is where you're going to go. He is the one who's responsible for me. So I know sometimes in the congregants they think, well, pastor's doing this. He shouldn't be doing this. And We've got to tell him not to do this. listen. I can tell you with absolutely 100% certainty, if I get myself in sin, my, my sin will be found out, and God will remove me from this pulpit. In fact, he might even remove me from the earth, right? Because I know I stand in a very sacred spot in this, behind this sacred desk. And when I'm preaching the word of God and trying to lead the people of God, I don't want to mess up. I really don't. I don't want to mess up at all. Not just for your sakes, but For my sake and his sake. Because that's who we serve. We serve a God who cares about us. Uh, This uh, new leader would stabilize the kingdom of David again and be greatly honored for it. And this is a great lesson for those who will or won't follow the vision of God. You know, those who will not follow the vision of God will either be removed or sent into captivity in order for God's will to be done. Those that will experience the blessings. Those who abide in him shall be preserved, promoted, and used so God does not enjoy. I, I got to make this very clear. He does not enjoy punishing His children, but sometimes captivity is the only way for them to recognize the privilege that they have in Him. Can, do you, I mean if you're born again here today, do you realize you're a child of the King? You're His. You're His. You're all His. Think about Dad and Mom. How you feel about your own children? I wouldn't want anybody to try to touch my children. I'd end up going to prison for life, probably. Or my wife. Or my grandchildren that are here today. Two of them are here. Three of them are here. Or two. Two? Just two. All right. Are here today. Uh, If anybody wants to see the the wrath side of Wade Prime, uh, just get on one of my grandkids' case here before they leave here. Before they leave here. But that's how God feels about us. It's just because I love them, and he loves us. So he doesn't enjoy punishing us, because he wants us to know the truth, and the truth shall make us free. And if therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And that's where he wants us living. So once under the bondage of sin, as believers, sometimes we forget what we were saved from. We should never take our liberty in Christ for for granted. He can take it away that quickly as as quickly as he gave it. I I love my God. Not nowhere near as much as I should. But I love them. Therefore, what I do, I stand fast. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith God hath made me free and be not entangled again with that yoke of bondage. I do not want to ever go back to that old world before I got saved. Never. I like what uh, Joan's not here today. She's sick, but I like what she always says. And they think... Uh, 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 God's people don't have fun. I mean, I have more fun now in my life than I've ever had ever before. I would say. Uh, I've got more burdens, yeah, and there's a, because of the care of people. But I want to tell you, say it's a lot of fun. You know, D- David was talking about this morning about being picked on. I said, uh, and and he was just joking about that. And uh, but listen, we can do that here. We can have fun. We can enjoy each other because we love each other. And nobody's going to hold that, you know. Oh, these are no. That's the way it goes in our in our walk. And if you're born again, you can have that same fun. That's not. You don't lose any of that when you get saved. You gain it more. Here's my last thing, and we're through. I think we're through. Yeah, I think we are. I may have to do a, what I did in the Sunday school this morning. I got, I got going so much I had to put a part two to it. I might have to do that today. Who knows? But anyway. In the Valley of Vision, there is always the victory of saving choices. You know, um, victory is always found in making the right choice. It's always found there. It's always where the peace is and the satisfaction is. That's where the guilt-free living is. Just to follow his will and the vision of God Regardless of your own ideas and your own methods, your own fears and your doubts, just the victory is found in making that choice to follow him. Just to obey him. You can be living in the worst circumstances that are possible, but still have the joy of the Lord if you're just following him. Just believing him. You know, Martin Luther King 40 years ago gave his famous I Have a Dream speech. And uh, I I was too young to understand any of it. Now in I'm more of a history buff than I ever was. I hated history in high school, and now I love it. By the way, kids, if there's anybody within my voice, and children, and make sure you do well in history. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come to your advantage later in years. But his inspiring speech, has everybody realize it only was 10 minutes long? This wasn't no lengthy speech. It wasn't a long-winded preacher like me. It'll go down in history as one of the most inspiring messages ever given. And it was given from the Lincoln Memorial in Washington. Thousands came there to hear him and his words. And right in the middle of speech he said this, I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. There's that valley word. Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain. And the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it all together. Do you know what verse he was quoting? it's Isaiah 40 4 and 5 when he said i have a dream he was really saying god had given him a vision for the land that he loved just as god has given isaiah or uh, isaiah a vision for the land he loved dr king dreamed of an america without prejudices and it and i believe and i and i know i'll probably get criticized for this but listen um, He believed in an America without prejudices where blacks and whites would live together in harmony and in the freedom and promise of Christ. But he didn't just dream it, right? He made a choice to follow that vision, gave himself over to it, and as a result, we've already had our first black president. But what's sad is that first black president brought back all those prejudices. I'm not sure why he did that, why that was the emphasis of his campaign, Instead of taking off from where Martin Luther King left off and going forward with it, instead he brought this hatred towards police officers and uh, this separation and division between blacks and whites. It just wasn't right. And I believe that's where where our downfall started in all these areas that we're suffering with right now in the country. Like I said, some of you may not agree with me, but that was the worst um, thing that's ever been done after all the accomplishments we have made. Martin Luther King frequently used scripture in speeches and to exalt Christ and bring people together. He wasn't an angel, by the way. He had affairs, he had things that he shouldn't have done. He's, but he wasn't like the opportunists, opportunists like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson who never used scripture. They exploit racial tensions to exalt themselves and fuel divisions. Now, I'm not getting political today. I'm trying to under, help us understand the point I'm telling you this morning, I have a dream. I, I have a dream for Lighthouse. I have a dream for the Mohawk, Hudson Valley, the Northeast as a whole. I have a dream. and I, 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 Not since the sawdust trails of Charles Finney's have they seen a genuine revival in this area. And I'm looking for that. I Hopefully I see it before I die, but if I don't, it's no problem. I just believe it's coming. I, I have a dream we will take back this area for Jesus Christ. I hope I'm alive to see it. But if not, so be it. You know, we must choose to believe it if we're ever going to see it. Finney made a big impact. Do you understand the impact that he made in this area for Jesus Christ, even though decades later he's still being criticized? Do you know what he was criticized the most for? Having altar calls. Altar calls. I I can tell you the truth. I, I have watched people when I've given uh, messages and I'm going to give an altar call in just a minute or Mike's going to lead it and I give messages and give an altar call and I've watched people get up, walk out of the church and never come back again because they thought that was not right he would encourage souls to come forward make decisions for Jesus Christ like Billy Graham does and there, there are still, some, uh, still those same critics today who miss out on so much and here's why I've had members walk out of church, walk back into their old lives, never come back to church again, and never follow their faith again. They let, this is what they happen, they let their convicted hearts seek asylum in the world and not at the altar. We're so intimidated by this altar. Their answer and their victory is right there. It was right there. The conviction was on their heart. All they had to do was bow before God, and instead they left the church seeking peace somewhere else, and their hearts were never fixed after that. And that breaks my heart. And may I say in love to anyone who may not like altar calls, hundreds and thousands have come to the Lord through them. Thousands of them. I tell you as a person of experience, that I have seen broken families reunited at the altar. I had a person in our church one time was a, uh, a, a mother and a daughter who sat on the opposite side because they were estranged. And at an altar call, the daughter got up, walked over, grabbed the mother's hand, came up, and knelt down at that altar, and they were forever reunited. And it was the greatest, the, she just recently told me it was the greatest blessing she ever got from God because her mother just passed away. I've seen drunkards come to the altar and kneel down. People that I've been working with and loving and telling them, listen, it's going to kill you if you don't stop drinking. And and the altar call they came up knelt down, right? And left everything there and never had a desire again when they left there because God helped them with that and they were delivered from that alcoholism. You know, call me a dreamer if you want, but that's enough proof for me. Here at Lighthouse, you have witnessed miracles at this altar. You have witnessed them for years, and I believe it's time to follow the vision of God and watch them multiply. Uh, I, I have a vision that revival will come again in the old-fashioned Bible way, right here to this church. Now it's time to take back this area for Christ using those who are more concerned about the Lord's work being done than they are about their own wishes being fulfilled. God is looking for those who will make his business their business. Uh, he, we should never be satisfied as long as there are lost people in the valleys of vision. I need some dreamers like Joseph. I just need some dreamers like Joseph. I have a dream. Right. I have a dream that every part of these valleys we'll live in that we live in will exalt Jesus Christ again. Every square foot of the mountain tops around us will shout praises again. I, I have a dream that so many souls will be saved through Lighthouse, we will have to build a new church out back. We got enough property for it. I may not be here to see it, but I still believe it can happen. And I believe some of our young people here can be a part of that if they just are visionaries. I have a dream that we will be supporting missionaries in every country of the world. Every country of the world, because we have such a burden for the world here at Lighthouse. I, I, I have a dream that those who have left us will return to us and help us fulfill the vision God has always had for this church in this area. You know, I, I'm believing that God's going to bring those people right back through the doors again. Uh, people need the Lord, and this is the vision place. You know, The vision God has given me. The problem isn't God's ability to accomplish these great visions. The problem is people who choose to deny the great power of God and won't believe he can do them again and thus won't get involved in them. Well, that's, I, I can't tell my how many preachers that I've talked to said, well, uh, you know, re- revival's not for today. We're never going to have another great awakening like we had in the days of Jonathan Edwards. That's, that's over. Those days are over. We can never go there. Listen, I, I'm not so sure we're ever going to come out of this thing we're in in this country right now. I'm not so sure. But I'm positive that in God's long-suffering, he's going to give us one last great awakening. He's just going to give us one last chance for everybody in this country at least to get saved and come to the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And that's my message. Like I said, i got a whole other part here. I'm going to keep that for this afternoon or maybe uh, when I get back. But I close with this. As your visionary leader, I just need some visionary people that believe it, that just believe it can happen. Willing to do it, willing to step out by faith. You might have, you might have to do some things you've never done before or it's going to really cause you some, uh, to be uncomfortable and maybe sending a letter to somebody or reaching out to ask somebody to come to church or giving somebody a track or whatever it is that, that God is asking us to do in order to get the gospel in this area like it's never been gotten out before. Uh, I just need some visionaries. And the whole purpose is, is to save lost souls. And if there's anybody in the sanctuary right now doesn't know absolutely for sure they're saved, listen, this is the place. This is the salvation place. This is a place where God meets with us. This is a place where He wants to save your soul. And you just have to repent of your sins. That just means just turn from your unbelief. And start believing in Him. And then take that step of faith. It's an action. You know, faith requires an action. Forsaking all, I trust him, right? I need to step by faith towards him and believe what he said and then receive him as my savior. It's almost like I've got to reach out as he's reaching out and our hands grasp and he just pulls us up out of the miry clay and sets us on solid ground. If you're here today unsaved, all you got to do is say yes to Jesus and he'll help you straighten out your life. And he'll take you on a path that will truly be rewarding. It truly will be. Let's bow our heads. I'm going to let Mike come up here. If there's anyone here unsafe, as Mike gives this invitation, please come forward to this altar. Let God change your life forever. I'll help you with the word of God and show you the way uh, to to him. Uh, And you'll walk away here 100% sure. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC's Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org the gospel.